your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. Hey, happy Monday. Welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. The Sugarloaf 4 talk and text line. That number is 608-785-7914 if you want to get in here. Uh, excited to have Tom Landwehr in here in a couple of minutes. And we're going to talk about the Boundary Waters and a Twin Metals mining project. That's going to go right near the Boundary Waters. And a lot of people who love nature, who don't love mining right by the <laughs> million acre Boundary Waters forest area, uh, not very happy with a, a mining project going right there. A mining project to a foreign company, nonetheless. On top of that, there's a lot to dive into. I don't know how <laughs> I don't know how we're going to cover it all with Tom. Uh, he's the former head of the Minnesota. DNR, and he is now the executive director, executive director of the campaign to save the boundary waters. So we'll bring him bring him in after the first news break. Um, but the controversy generally, there are a bunch of them. I don't know if we can hit them all. I don't know how how deep a dive we want to take into. I mean, there's stuff like if you really want to get into politics of it, uh, the real estate company owned by by the family is the landlord of Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner. So stuff like that, where we're giving land leases to, I mean, that's, that's really in the weeds. I don't think we even need to get there at this point because this, the generally the, the argument is pretty easy. Giant sulfide or copper nickel mining project right in the boundary waters, watershed copper nickel mining produces, uh, some pollution that's not great for nature and the boundary waters very nature <laughs> very much i mean it's one of the i think most visited national you know reserves in the united states and uh like i said it's a million acres lakes forests if you've ever been up there if you want to give me a call quick and and describe to me what your opinion is of the boundary waters in and of itself 608-785-7914, the Sugarloaf Tour talk and text line. Feel free or shoot me a text. Uh, I haven't been to the Boundary Waters myself. I do have a kayak, so I kind of want to do that. But I, I, and I don't even know if you if you can just go there or if you need a permit or to schedule it out because, you know, the way it's protected. Um, but I have a lot of friends that always are posting pictures when they're, when they're up there and I'm almost like, why didn't you tell me I would have liked to have come along? Um, so yeah, anyway, so to, to maximize our time with Tom, I'm going to hit the news right now. We're going to hit some commercials, then the news. And when we come back, Tom land, executive director of the campaign to save the boundary waters and their fight against a foreign corporations, twin metals mining project. That's going to go right Right there next to it. All right, we'll be back in a minute on Wizard. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. If you want to get in here, uh, we're going to talk for a little while. So if you want to get in here, shoot me some texts. 608 785 7914, the Sugarloaf Ford talking text line. Now we'll introduce him, Tom Landwehr, uh, former Minnesota DNR boss, and now you're the executive director of the Campaign to Save the Boundary Waters. How's it going, Tom? Very good. Thank you for having me. 
All right. So uh, where do we want to start? I guess you know, I was talking uh, before, just before you came on, just the Boundary Waters. They're so nice. But I've actually never been there. And we're getting to that. You, you mentioned off the air there. We're getting to that season where people are going to start planning their trips to the Boundary Waters. So can you just real quick explain, you know, for those not listening, what the Boundary Waters are and how you would what would needed be needed to be done to uh, go visit them? Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, folks going up in the uh, lacrosse area, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin, we're all very familiar with woods and water. And, uh, the, and that's what the laundry watch is. It's a million acres right on the Canadian border that is uh, all these interconnected lakes and rivers surrounded by forests. And on the other side of the Canadian border is a critical provincial park. So you have these two large wilderness areas that are set aside for, uh, for uh, you know, natural areas. They are, uh, uh, on the Boundary Water side, it is a federally designated wilderness. You know, you can't use motors in there. You can't even bring cans and bottles in there. You can spend as much time as you want, um, you know, subject to certain rules and so on. But you will, this is a place where you will go into uh, the wilderness in a canoe. You will uh, see a uh, few other people. You will maybe see moose. You may hear wolves. You will definitely see and hear loons. You know, it is a true watery wilderness experience, and it uh, was created in 1964, and then again in 1978, it got some additional protections. But it is, um, it's uh, because it's a wilderness. It's the largest wilderness east of the Rockies, north of the Everglades. Um, you can only access it by permit. So uh, if you want to go up and you want to go in for the day to go fishing, you can do that. You can you know sign up, get a permit for the day right there. But if you want to go in for overnight or longer, then you have to actually apply for a permit that, uh, you know, sometimes uh, they're available, sometimes they're not. They regulate the number of people that go in there. And if you're proposing to go in on the 4th of July at a very popular entry point, you're probably not going to get a, a permit to go in. You can come in another place or another time, but you do need to get a permit because it is a very popular wilderness, the most popular wilderness in America. And uh, the, the Forest Service, the uh, entity that manages it, wants to make it uh, outstanding experience. So they, so they uh, regulate, so they uh, put a uh, limit on the number of people who can actually go in. Wonderful place, outstanding fishing. Everybody in the Midwest ought to go whenever I'm up there. I see license plates from all over the country, and especially from uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Illinois. Uh, in the Dakotas. Now, Tom, you said I can't bring bottles, uh, beer bottles, so to speak, or something like that. Can I bring bug spray, or is that off limits? You can bring the canned <laughs> things you can bring are bug spray and fuel. So, you know, little one pound uh, propane tanks, you can bring those, you can bring bug spray, uh, you can bring certain medicines, but you can't bring, you know, a can of beans, you can't bring a bottle of ketchup. You know, if you're very creative, you can find other ways to bring uh, beer and wine in, you know, for instance, uh, Wine comes in boxes and beer comes in plastic bottles. So there are ways of bringing that in, and, and I can attest that I know uh, friends of mine do, do that. But uh, it's, you know, the intention being uh, let's minimize the human impact on this area. So when I leave a campsite, somebody comes in right behind me, um, you know, it, it's clean and it's uh, uh, a good wilderness experience. All right, so does bug spray even work up there? My I, my old roommate said he, that it doesn't even work. The, the mosquitoes actually smell the bug spray and know there's a human there. Well, I think there are probably some species that have evolved to seek out bug spray <laughs> uh, up in the boundary waters. 
So, uh, you know, the, the, the fact is, is uh, especially early in the season, you know, you get mosquitoes and you get black flies, you get gnats and oceums, and later on you can get horse flies, moose flies, or deer flies, rather. But uh, what I find is that uh, you can buy these cheap little head nets, they're like three bucks. Uh, you know, I wear a ball cap, I put a head net over, and then I spray the backs of my hands. And really, uh, that's that's pretty good coverage. And when you're out on the water, which is what we're doing a lot of time because we're fishing, uh, there's enough wind that it keeps the bugs down. So it's, you know, people make it sound really awful, and it certainly can be. But, you know, if you go up there prepared, uh, uh, it's uh, you really can minimize the impact of bugs. All right. Uh, speaking with Tom Landweir, the former Minnesota DNR boss, he's currently the executive director of Campaign to Save the Boundary Waters, which is why we we have you on here. Uh, why do we need to save the boundary waters? Obviously, there's a – not obviously, but if for people who don't know, there's a mining project. It's called the Twin Metals Mine. It's owned by a, a foreign corporation in South America, I believe, right, Tom? And, and uh, copper nickel mining, not great for something like the boundary waters, huh? Uh, that's exactly correct. So the, you know, Minnesota's got a long history of iron mining. You know, we've got the Iron Range up in the Hibbing Evelis uh, area, and um, and that mining industry is still going on strong. But there are mines that were on the edges of the uh, Iron Range that have uh, dried up, gone away. The last mine that was in the town of Ely was in 1967. It's been gone for 50 years, um, and Ely now. Is a town. Uh, it's at the end of the road. It's a town that really has thrived on the providing this outdoor wilderness experience. So there's outfitters up there that will outfit you to go into the Boundary Waters. There's resorts up there, you know, on the fringes of the Boundary Waters, letting people uh, stay and, and, and get in from there. There's small businesses that have grown up there, uh, you know, uh, making mucklucks and making, uh, you know, dog sleds and that kind of a thing. So there's a whole industry that's grown up there. But a new kind of mining has come to town, and this is what you know people call uh, sulfide or copper mining. So there are copper and nickel deposits up uh, on, the, on the edges of the range, getting up towards that Ely area. Uh, Polymet, uh, as people may have heard, was the first project approved in Minnesota. That's an old industrial mining site. It would use an existing uh, infrastructure to take uh, uh, minerals out of the ground. Twin metals is a project that is right on the edge of the boundary waters. It is in the water side of the boundary waters, meaning that anything, any water that leaves that site goes into the boundary waters. It is uh, a company by the name of Antofagasta, a Chilean company, uh, completely owns the local subsidiary, which is called Twin Metals, uh, and they have just submitted a plan to the state uh, what their facility would look like to extract up to 20,000 tons a day for 20 years of ore, uh, that they would do some processing on site and then ship the ore out of state. So when you look at this plan, uh, you know, they're going to clear two square miles of forest. They're going to, it's going to be an underground mine, but they have to pull all that stuff up, all that material they pull up. It's less than 1%. Or so 99% of the stuff that they pull up is left over. That's called tailings. Half of that tailings are going to be able to put back in the mine, but the remaining half sits up above ground, and that's going to take up a piece of ground that's a two thirds of a square mile in size. It's 130 feet tall, 430 acres, right on the edge of Birch Lake, which again flows into the Boundary Waters, and and all of this operation exposes this underground rock to air and water, and when that happens, you create all kinds of chemical uh, 
pollutants, and a big one is sulfates. People may have heard about that. It's damaging to wild rice. It frees up mercury in the soil. It becomes uh, then can become taken up by fish and so on. And so the long-term impacts of this, the short-term and the long-term impacts of this, are just very, very uh, devastating to this very pristine area that we call the boundary waters. The, you know, the boundary waters, again, you haven't been up there right, but for those who have, you know that you can go into the middle of the boundary waters, you can take your cup, and you can drink water right out of the lake. The water is just that pure. And any pollutant at all is going to degrade that, not just for drinking, but for the the bugs that live in there, the fish that live in there, all of the species that depend on that water. And it really is just a, a devastating threat to the boundary waters. Yeah, and if you want to look at this selfishly, Tom, it's not like Minnesota is mining this and we're going to use you know, the, the ore for ourselves to whatever sell off to China to make our phones. Um, it's, it's a, it's a foreign company. So even selfishly like, Hey, we're going to pollute the boundary waters, but at least we're getting the benefit of this. We're not even getting that either. Well, and that's one of the real ironies of this project, Rick, you know, the, the government is now saying, well, we need these critical minerals. We need these copper and nickel for, uh, you know, electric cars and windmills and so on. And yes, that's true. But copper is a very abundant mineral across the world. Um, the uh, minerals that they are proposing to extract currently belong to the federal government and the state government. That is, they belong to you and me and all of America. And yet uh, the company who has got these leases is this Chilean company. The government is saying, you know, we have to secure our domestic supply of these minerals, and here we are giving them to a Chilean company and 65% of what they pull out of the ground, they sell to Asian markets. And so the real irony here is uh, we will take minerals out of Minnesota. We will pass them through Chile. They'll go to China. We'll end up buying the refined copper from China, making us no more secure than we were before. And in the process, devastating this public resource, you know, that belongs to all of us. And it's just a, it's a just irreplaceable treasure. So you're, you're absolutely right. It's... Uh, uh, it's beyond uh, bizarre how uh, people can think this is a good idea. All right. We're talking with Tom Landweir, former Minnesota DNR boss. He's currently the executive director of the campaign to save the Boundary Waters. Um, is this mine worse than what you mentioned before? There's a PolyMet mine. The PolyMet mine is going to be in the St. Louis River and Lake Superior watershed. So, but but these are different projects. Would you say, or is it just that the boundary waters are more need to be need more protection than say Lake Superior? Well, they are different projects, and you you've identified it right. The Polymet project is in the Lake Superior watershed. The Twin Metals project is in what we call the Rainy River headwaters. Um, there are people that think neither of these is a good project. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with them on that. What I will say is that the Twin Metals project. It, it is right adjacent to the Boundary Waters Wilderness. This is an area that we give the highest level of protection to of any kind of land in the United States. And and it's just unequivocal that the project that goes in there, even if it meets state standards, and I'll come back to that, even if it meets state standards, it's going to devastate the Boundary Waters. Um, so let me... Talk about state standards if I could for a minute. Okay. Yeah, you literally, says, you literally you literally know, have Tom, you literally have one minute and then we'll go to break. So I don't know if I, how okay. long it'll take, but we gotta we gotta hit news in in about a minute. Well let me just start it so that everybody says, you know, we got the toughest rules and regulations in Minnesota and that and that might be true, but the problem is even as tough as they are, they don't 
prevent degradation. They allow for levels of pollution that in some places might be okay, but in the case of the boundary waters, again, that water so pure you can drink is just not at all acceptable and yeah, and I can go into detail about that when we come back if you want, Rich. Sure. Yeah, all right. Speaking with Tom Landweir, the executive director of Campaign to Save the Boundary Waters, he's they're, they're fighting a, a twin metals mining, a copper nickel mining project that's going to go right there, right next to the Boundary Waters. And uh, we might get into, when we come back from Scott's Common the News, uh, get into, you know, just comparing... Uh, uh, what this would be to Wisconsin a little bit. Obviously, there's there's two different ways that I that I've, I can kind of compare this. Is a couple years ago, there was a frac sand mine that had a, a big accident that, that went into the Trempolo River. Um, and obviously, Foxconn is owned by a foreign corporation. It's got more tax subsidies than any foreign corporation's ever received from a state. Um, so we might get into that. Uh, we might get into some other stuff. We'll see where it goes. But uh, we'll be back after this. On, uh, here's Scott's comment in the news. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. If you want to get in here, I'm, I'm I got some texts already. We'll see if we can get to them. It's a it's so little time, and there's so much to talk about. But I am reading Tom your texts off the air, just so you know. Uh, and that Tom I'm speaking of is Tom Landwehr. He's the former Minnesota DNR boss. He's currently the executive director of the campaign to save the Boundary Waters. Uh, the Boundary Waters uh, potentially under siege from a project called the Twin Metals Copper Nickel Mine. Uh, this kind of mining, uh, sulfide mining, uh, it, I guess the you know the the extraction process, among other things, the uh, the water that the, the the pollution that they send back is 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 going to, for for lack of a better term, destroy uh, the the pristine boundary waters, millions of acres up there. Um, I did get a text, Tom. It, it, you know, it says uh, from liber- a, a guy, libertarian guy. He said the boundary waters canoe area is adjacent to the. Uh, and you mentioned it, the Quinten- uh, Quintico Provincial Park in Canada. So do you think that the Twin Metals Mining Project would affect everything going into Canada as well? That's correct. It's, uh, the Canadian side is the Quintico Provincial Park, so it's their you know, equivalent of our national parks. Um, the international boundary between Canada and the U.S. Uh, at, at, the, uh, uh, at the boundary waters... Uh, on the other side of that is Quetico National Park. So the Rainy River ultimately flows into Lake of the Woods. It flows um, across northern Minnesota. It flows through Voyagers National Park. It originates in the uh, in this area. So the the area we're talking about is co- is called the Rainy River Headwaters. So any so a drop of water that enters right there. You know, hypothetically, eventually makes itself up to the Canadian border. It runs along the Canadian-Minnesota border into Lake of Woods. From there, it heads up to Hudson's Bay. So so the pollution that comes off of this mine goes into the Boundary Waters, and then it goes into these border waters with Canada. So it affects the Quetico Provincial Park as well as the Voyagers National Park before it ultimately heads over to Lake of the Woods. And so the Canadian government is very concerned about this as well, because we have a treaty that dates back to 1909 that says neither country will pollute border waters uh, to the detriment of the other country. And so, yeah, it's uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a unique area because of all the water, because of the wilderness on both sides, but just immensely vulnerable to degradation because it is so pristine. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, Tom, we're going to take a call. I, I believe Chris is call, calling in, so he's going to probably have a question for you. Chris, you're on the air. Go ahead, man. Hey there. I am glad that you guys are talking about this, but I do have some questions about it. Um, I actually used to work up on 
the Boundary Waters off the Gunflint Trail. Went up there for three summers and worked. And uh, we try to get up there at least every other year. It is beautiful up there. It's gorgeous. Um, what my question is, is this the same mine that was opened for 35, 40 years and they lost their lease and now they're renewing a lease to a different person? Or is this a whole different line, uh, mine? So this mine has never operated before. It's a completely, you know, virgin site. In fact, when you look at it from the air, it's two square miles of forest and wetland. There's never been a mine there. The original leases were issued in 1966 to a company called Inco International uh, Nickel and Copper, or uh, International uh, International Nickel Company. Uh, 1966, the federal government gave these leases to this uh, company. They said, you can have these leases for 20 years, and we will consider three 10-year extensions if you start production during that first 20 years. Well, they never did start production, and yet the government renewed those leases two times. And in the in that period of time between 1966 and uh, 2012, the Chilean company bought these assets from, a, from the original company that was now going belly up. And so uh, Anafagasta bought these at a fire sale in um, 2012. Their leases were facing another expiration. The federal government went into an analysis to decide whether they should renew these leases. Again, they had not complied with the original provisions of the leases. And in 2016, the federal government said, no, we're not going to reissue these leases. Uh, it's incompatible with the Boundary Waters, uh, and, they, and they terminated the leases. So, so this project was you know, functionally dead in 2016, a uh, change of administration came along, you know, the, the, uh, for whatever reason, uh, the new administration said we're going to renew these leases. We're going to reel back what had happened before. Uh, you know, maybe coincidentally, the, the owner of the company bought a mansion in Washington, D.C., and, and it's now being rented by Jared and Ivanka. Uh, Ivanka. Uh, and uh, uh, now the company has got their leases in hand, and so they're moving forward. So it's never been mine before. The leases were just renewed after this shifty uh, mansion rental deal in Washington, D.C., and uh, it had been fundamentally dead in 2016. All right. Thanks for the call, Chris. A couple other texts I got. You know, just I I get some general text, Tom. Just, hey, you know, someone said hi to you from Pheasants Forever, uh, Brent. And then, uh, you know, a couple of people just said the, the Boundary Water is just a beautiful place. Um, but I did get one text, and I wanted to get to that. And before we run out of time, uh, with with the Twin Metals mining project, these these mining projects never seem to, you know, as much as the company says, yeah, we're going to abide by all the rules. There won't be any pollution. The Boundary Waters will be fine. I'm sure they say all that stuff. But uh, but that's probably not going to happen. And and so I've, the one text is, hey, Rick, what can we do to help? Uh, do, you, do you have an answer for that person? Well, you know, just a real quick answer. Um, this is a very complicated project, and there's a lot of things going on, and we're fighting it on a lot of different levels, and I'll come back to that. What I would encourage people to do is go to our website, savetheboundarywaters.org, savetheboundarywaters.org, and um, there's a lot of information on there, but there's also a petition you can sign. When you sign that petition, the petition says to Congress, you know, protect this area. When you sign that petition, then you will get on our mailing list, and we send out emails quite regularly updating people on what's going on. There's a lot going on. So 
we have a lawsuit. We're challenging those uh, renewed uh, leases. We believe they were unlawfully done so. We've got a lawsuit going on in Washington, D.C. Rick, you mentioned Representative McCollum from uh, St. Paul has introduced a bill uh, taking those federal minerals off the open market, and so uh, the, the leases will no longer be good. Uh, we've been working to get um, you know, some of the presidential candidates to understand the value of the boundary waters and take a position against it, and many of them have done that. Um, we're working at the state level. We're doing a ton of outreach, you know, trying to get the word out, you know, shows like this as well as uh, one-on-one meetings and so on. And so we're doing a whole bunch of stuff. And um, uh, so if you get on our email list, if you get those updates, you find out what's going on, really the best way to plug in. Quite frequently, we will ask people to send a note to their uh, congressperson or their uh, uh, house representative or whatever uh, at a critical point in time when some uh, vote is coming up. And and that is really the most uh important thing that people can do in in a lot of respects, because this uh, mine, the future of it, is going to be decided by elected officials. Now, I'm I'm, uh, I'm filling out the petition right now, Tom. There's a personalize your message. Obviously, you guys put a message in there that just has, you know, all the info that's going to go to to the powers that be that, that will read this. Do you recommend putting a personal message within that? Because sometimes I feel like when you when you send a mass type email like this, that's got the same message. Uh, those get all put into one pile. It's like a, a mass email campaign. Do you recommend, do you know if there's a, there's rules against that, that, that maybe these, you know, the powers that read these, the congressmen, the, the federal, the, the governmental official, the government officials that read these will go, oh, this, this goes in that pile because it's a mass email campaign. Well, I think there is some of that, but I do think, in fact, the personal stuff is the most impactful because especially if it's going to your representative, you know, your constituent of them, they will respond to each and every email they get. And if it's, you know, uh, just a a blanket email, you're going to get a blanket response back. But if they see that you've actually taken the time to spell out, you know, know, I'm I'm your constituent, I live three doors down, or I spend, you know, every uh, uh, June up in the Boundary Waters, you know, then they get an understanding, well, there is a real person behind this. It's not just a, you know, bot-generated email. Yep. All right. So, um... Again, Tom Landweir, the the former DNR boss under Governor uh, Mark Dayton, and uh, he's currently the the executive director of Campaign to Save the Boundary Waters. So, you, you know, we 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 talk about this pollution. This the 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 way this is at this copper mining, this copper nickel mine. This is this is the big problem, right? The fact that it is a copper nickel mine and the 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 sulfide mine, the the metals that come off from this mine are the big biggest problem to the Boundary Waters, right? And, and exactly. And here's just a really quick primer on chemistry. You know, iron ore, again, we talked about that. We've got a long history of iron ore. Iron, when it's found in rock, is bound to silica. Silica is the exact same thing as beach sand. It, it's the exact same thing as glass in bottles. It is very inert. Nothing happens to it. It just sits there. Precious metals like copper and nickel are bound to sulf- sulfur, sulfides. And uh, so they're fundamentally different. So when you take the metal off of uh, precious metal off of a sulfide, you end up with essentially the basic building blocks of sulfuric acid. You have sulfur, and now you have exposed to air and water that can form sulfuric acid. So very, very different kind of rock that we're uh, mining here. And again, when you take one percent of it out, that's the metal, and you leave the ninety-nine percent. 
all of that other crud that's attached to those sulfides like arsenic and mercury and heavy other heavy metals, that's all now sitting on top of the ground where before it had been buried under the ground. So every time it rains, every time the snow melts, and that happens a lot in Wisconsin and Minnesota, uh, it picks some of that stuff up that carries into the groundwater and the, and the surface water, and that's how the pollution happens. So there's just no way to do this kind of a project without having a really serious negative impact on uh, water quality and, uh, you know, the surrounding forest. Um, you know, comparing this to Wisconsin a little bit, uh, I don't know how much you know about the Foxconn project, uh, you know, in southeast Wisconsin, but uh, we, we, we as a government, it was the biggest tax giveaway or was tax subsidies to a foreign company uh, in the history of the United States. So Wisconsin did this, and, you know, the, the company has come in with all these promises. The promises haven't even really begun to be delivered, whether whether or not they will and whether or not they get these tax subsidies up in the air. But also, we changed the government. We changed a lot of rules. We changed wetland rules. We changed how this uh, place would – how how Foxconn would be taken to court. We changed uh, uh, other rules that I can't think of off the top of my head. I, I wrote them down, but I had too many notes. Um, but we did change all these rules. Are we doing the same thing with twin metals and maybe the polymetmi? Are we changing rules around the boundary waters for this mining project to allow it to go through when, in fact, maybe it shouldn't go through? You know, there's two things that I think are really similar between all of these projects. And you, you kind of hit on both of them there, Rick. The first is that, you know, the powers that be think that bigger the project, the better the project, and the more we ought to jump onto it. You know, so Foxconn, one of the biggest, you know, uh, uh, electronics projects, you know, in the United States, everybody got on board because of all of the things they promised about it. You know, this is a big, this mine is a big global uh, mining company that's coming in here promising big things, you know, 700 jobs, billions of dollars for the economy. And uh, and so we're, uh, we're sort of um, supplanting, you know, what we've got right now for what we think is the next big brass wing, uh, ring. And so in the case of the Boundary Waters, a lot of local businesses are going to go out of business if the Twin Metals mine comes in, whether the resorts or outfitters or, you know, you name it. And and the powers that be are willing to give up those homegrown businesses that are part of the social fabric because they see this big, shiny brass wing, ring. And I see that as very similar between those two things. But then the other thing that I think is really striking and we'll probably start seeing this more and more, is that at the root of many of these projects and the uh, root of many of the problems associated with these projects is water. You know, Foxconn had to draw millions of gallons of water, and they yeah, seven, one of the rules that got, seven million one gallons. Of the rules that got rewritten was exactly that. Yep, seven million gallons of water a day out of the, what, Lake Michigan, and they, yeah, that was the other one, the... the the Great Lakes Compact, uh, you know, essentially water for communities, not for foreign corporations. So, yeah, we changed exactly. the rules there, too. And that's and that's the situation in the Boundary Waters. You know, it is fundamentally, you know, it's, it's pristine, beautiful water. It belongs to all of us right now. And yet, again, because it's a, you know, shiny brass ring, the powers that be see it, you know, the stars in our eyes. They say, the heck with that clean, that clean uh, drinkable water. We'd rather have this project. Even if it costs us some water quality, because we're willing to live live with a degraded environment to benefit this foreign company, so there is a lot of a lot of uh, similarities. And you know, uh, you have to recognize that when you have a big company stands to make millions, billions of dollars, you know, they've got a lot of influence, and that's 
you know, kind of the, the reality that we're facing uh, in a lot of these battles. You've got a small but dedicated group of citizens uh, fighting this global titan that's got endless amounts of money, and, and we know the people oppose it. So there was just a poll that came out in the Star Tribune, 60% of Minnesotans oppose this project, only uh, 20% uh, in favor of it, so 3 to 1 majority of people oppose this project. And, uh, and so we look at ourselves as being the voice of the, the average Minnesotan, because uh, if you just went where the dollars go, this project could be a slam dunk. All right, we're speaking with Tom Landweir, the the former Minnesota DNR boss. He's the current executive director of the campaign to save the Boundary Waters. Tom, there's a, a call here, so I'm going to take a couple calls. they got to be real quick. Uh, is this Joe? You're on the air. Joe, real quick. Hey, so I know I understand the issues with the pollution and everything, but then where do we go for our precious metals and for all the things we need like that to run our daily lives? And is it a matter of trying to get these companies to pay a little more at the tail end to take care of these issues so we don't leave all that stuff scattered across the ground to be, you know, you, you turn into pollutants for us. And if that's the case, how are we going to squeeze that money out of those guys? Uh, you know, it's kind of like stealing money from them or they're going to look at it that way. How do we get them to pay more on the tail end so that they don't leave us in a wasteland? Well, both, both great questions, and you know, the, frankly, the, the answer to the latter one is: if they actually had to pay for all the damages that they would create, uh, they would not go forward to the project because it wouldn't be economical. And so, uh, part of the situation here is they are taking advantage of these public goods. They can they can uh, take these public goods. They can degrade the public values somewhat because we don't charge them for it. And uh, if we did, it would become uneconomical. And, and to your first question, you know, copper uh, is one of the most available uh, metals on the globe. There's, it's, a, it's, you know, there's a number of uh, huge deposits around the world. Um, and um, uh, part of the reason they they want to look in the United States, this company, by the way, has got four mines in Chile, and they're the biggest producer of copper uh, on, in the hemisphere. And uh, but part of the reason they're looking to this country is uh, because we have political stability. And if they were to go to a third-world country where there's a big copper deposit, they might invest a bunch of money and start taking copper out. Well, they never know if the government's going to change, and so they lose all their money. So they like the politics of working in the United States, even though it is more expensive than it is in other countries because we do have more regulations uh uh, around mining and so on. Tom, so the Tom, and, we just and the other point I'd make is copper is immensely recyclable, and, and Apple is committed to using no new copper in in their future products. Tom, we just have a minute, so I just want to ask you this real quick. You know, they're gonna they're gonna have to clean up their mess, maybe. Uh, but if they make a mess, if they if there is some kind of accident, like in Trempeau, there was a there was a frac sand mining accident a couple years ago, sent sludge down the Trempeau River. Um, if they make an accident in the Boundary Waters, is it over for the Boundary Waters being this pristine site? You know, I use this example a lot because it's not infrequently you hear about a tanker that uh, rolls in the Mississippi River, you know, and there's oil spilled. And, you know, within a few hours, they've got the booms out, they've got the vacuums out, they clean 95% of that oil out of the Mississippi River. If you get pollution into the Boundary Waters, there is no way to get it out. There's no roads in there. There's no infrastructure in there. There isn't a way to get electricity in there or vehicles or anything. And so, yes, if you get water pollution in the Boundary Waters, it is there permanently because there is no way to get it out. And that is a really important distinction. All right, Tom, thanks a lot for, for joining me and, and you know, for just kind of 
indulging us with this uh, information. And if you wanna if you wanna save the Boundary Waters, go to saveboundarywaters.org, sign the petition, read all about it. You can read everything you want there. Uh, thanks a lot, Tom. Thank you very much, and thanks everybody for listening. All right, see ya. All right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here in a minute. We'll be back. I'm Wisdom. All right, just a couple minutes here to wrap up. Uh, thanks, Tom Lambweir, former Minnesota DNR boss under Governor Mark Dayton. New administration, new DNR land boss. So Tom is now the executive director of the campaign to save the Boundary Waters. If you want to go check it out, savetheboundarywaters.org. I know Eric's been waiting. Eric, you want to get in here? Eric from Sparta, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree clean water is good, but uh, the thing that got me today was... Uh, there was a mine up there before, and apparently the water is still pristine after the other mine was up there. But well, what the hell is the difference now? Another thing, where the hell did the sand mines come and the Foxconn come in when he's talking about one specific thing? It was about boundary waters. It's all political. He, he said, Jared and Ivanka, that seal it for me. This left wing liberal hack with a Dayton buddy. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Mark Dayton not uh, involved here. Um. But left, left-wing liberal hack. Thanks for getting that in there, Eric. Uh, yeah, if you want to dive into the weeds into why the land leases got flipped all of a sudden, uh, you can do that. You just go read about it. There's all kinds of articles about it. It's pretty interesting. I didn't want to dive into the weeds a little bit, but we mentioned it. And, uh, yeah, so whew, that was so much to take in. I don't know if we covered it at all. I probably could have did it another two hours with Tom to talk about the Boundary Waters, but... Um, Maybe we'll maybe we'll continue the discussion a little bit, not with Tom, but we can just continue a little bit tomorrow. But on Wednesday, I know we're going to have uh, Ben Wickler, Wisconsin Democratic Party chair, on to preview the Mike Pence visit on Thursday. But tomorrow, we'll just wing it. We'll see what we talk about. Thanks a lot, guys. You